I've just got this new role as an IT director and the CIO wants me to assess the help desk and work out how many people we need. Uh, how would you go about doing it? And I was like, there are these formulas, but they don't really work. I said, if I was tasked with that, the first thing I would do would be find out what the support desk are doing, find out what is most of their support tickets, fix those support tickets so that those support issues don't have don't happen. And then talk, work with your support team and see what can be automated, fix all of your problems, and then you'll have an idea of what the right size <laughs> your support desk actually needs to be. Because because otherwise, if you don't fix We're those problems, really your support content here. Yeah, if you don't fix those problems, the support desk will never be big enough. Yeah, because the problems well, will, the problems will just get worse. In my opinion, too, um, one way to sort of do that in steps, because I think in small organizations you can't just fix all of those problems in order and then figure it out. In a larger organization where changes might take longer, like. <clears throat> If you build a roadmap that shows when each one of those things is going to be fixed and stick to that roadmap, um, then you can sort of like measure it at each stage. Like at this stage, we need X number of people. At this stage, we need X number of people. And at larger organizations, they're fine using contractors for T0, T1 support. So like yeah, yeah. Um, you could potentially yeah, yeah. like hire interim. Have... Yeah, and they've managed service providers, et cetera. Anyway, I think we got started already. We keep doing we this. Did. Let's do it back. Do it in reverse. And welcome to another episode of SAS Showdown. Here we are again. I am Colin McCarthy, joined again with... I'm Rose Leighton. Colin, you dropped the hello at the beginning of that. I did? <laughs> yeah, you just said, and welcome. But isn't is, isn't the hello implied <laughs> in this day and age? It hasn't been applied in the last... What are we at? 24 episodes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Whoever, where's, where's the continuity person? Yeah. Anyway, anyway it'll hello, all everyone. be fixed. <laughs> hello, everyone. It will all be fixed in post-production. Here we are again talking about SaaS, uh, SaaS applications, SaaS ops. Uh, let's have a showdown. We've had a lot of discussions this series on uh, SaaS pricing, SaaS security, outages, and of course, uh, unfortunately, layoffs, which uh, do seem to be continuing inside the industry, which made us have that discussion. How big should your IT department or your IT support department be? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I know you and I, Rose, have talked about this a number of times. We have, we have and our own opinions. We definitely interviewed many of our fellow colleagues about it in in various capacities, um, and I think like. Holistically, we're talking about like this, the kind of thing that we're talking about can be applied to many IT teams um, or like many sub teams within IT. It doesn't have to be just the support work um, because I think uh, one of the interesting parts about being in IT is that you're always sort of in a support role, even when you're not. <laughs> Would you agree yeah, with that, Colin? <laughs> I, I would hope that I hope you're supporting something. You might not be supporting end users, but you're probably supporting an application or a system which behind it has end users. Right. And there will be times, regardless of your level of responsibility, that you'll have to engage with end users and support them. And when the CEO um, comes to you and says, hey, I have a problem, you don't yes. generally just tell him to put in a ticket. <laughs> 
No, but <laughs> if, it, if it's if it's what is what it what it what they, what's the saying? What's good for the goose is good for the gander. So yeah. if that's their policy, then then yes, they should submit a ticket. So let's I guess um, let's start with some numbers just to like uh, kick things off. Um, so ratios, yes. Well, yeah. So so I've worked at um, I guess like three major IT. In, in, in three major IT departments. And I would say they all had fairly different support ratios. Um, one of them had a ratio that was 75 to one. So 75 end users to one support person, another one. Okay. And that was an organization of approximately 600 people. Um, another one was an organization of when you counted the contractors, <laughs> they were um, 12,000 um, and they had a support organization of 15. Okay. Um, and then uh, another organization, approximately 600 people and the support team is six people so 100, 100 so that's one. that's one one yeah so we had 75 to one, to one right. about a thousand to one 800 to one um and uh 100 to one so right so the, it it we've already shown that there is no hard rule there is no international standard certainly no of, one is following I, an international standard if there is one <laughs> no no there is there is there is there is no IEEE standard for IT support personnel to end users yeah. and obviously there's a range of support personnel like how many first line how many second third how many IT managers how many directors you know, VPs, CIOs you need and, and your whole pyramid you could be like uh, of, throw out all your of support structure. Yeah. We don't need yeah, those. Could do. Everybody, everybody's first line. Uh, and obviously different industries like that one that was, was it a thousand to one you said? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Depending on, on what those thousand end users are doing, um, you know, like, if you're, uh, when I used to work for CompuServe way back in the day, um, when people had dial-up internet, we were, I worked on the support desk, mm -hmm. you know, let's say CompuServe, I don't know how many customers it had, but there was 200 of us, <coughs> excuse me, about 200 on the desk at a time uh, in our call center, probably three shifts a day, maybe. Supporting how um, many? You know. I don't know, but it, you know, it's probably hundreds of thousands, uh, because yes, you do have a, a user base, but it's not everybody, you know, having an issue at a time. And also there's that expectation of, um, you know, SLA people would stay on the phone for, you know, three to five, 10 minutes to get through to a support person, you know, to have their, their, uh, issue resolved. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, large companies might have, uh, you know, 5,000 people in a building and they'll have a tech bar and there might be, you know, 10 guys working on the tech bar or five guys working in the tech tech bar as IT support. And if there is a major problem, you know, people will have to wait. And, and I have seen that in, in some organizations, there will be a bunch of people standing around waiting to be seen at the tech bar. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when I got started at a university help desk, like we had just basically a rotating staff, right? Because they're staffed partially by students. And like at any given time, there were 
seven or eight students and three staff members at least like um and so and we were staffed from 7 a.m to 7 p.m so you know just a really wide breadth of things and that's yeah and that's students faculty and staff at the at the college so um yeah yeah and I'm assuming people, you know, the students were expecting to wait. They, <laughs> somebody was n somebody was not going to pick up the phone on the first ring and say, oh, my God, tell me, you know, what your IT problem is. We'll quickly well, solve and it. It was, it was, it was like sort of a courtesy in a lot of ways, um, because, like, the difference between supporting students and supporting, um, like, employees is that employees generally are working on employee or, like, organization issued equipment um, and students are not. And so... Um, when we were helping students, like there's only so much you can do for somebody who's spilled a glass of wine on their laptop. Um, you know, so we would do our best for them, but like, it wasn't, it wasn't always a problem that we could solve. So like, yeah, if they were having an issue getting on the Wi-Fi, we could help them out. But like, you know, some of the hardware issues right. that you would normally have to deal with for employees, you don't have to yes. deal with students. Right. So uh, the size of your IT, IT team does depend on what you're supporting mm -hmm. and how you're supporting it. So Yeah. So I guess, like, um, Colin, what would you say are the, the major factors for figuring out how many people you need on your team? So... So we've talked about uh, what you're supporting right? Which is hardware and what software. What you're supporting. I think it, so I've, I've gone through this process organically where I've grown a team mm -hmm. where I started at a, at a company and I was the first full-time IT support person and there was 60 people. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then it grew it to like being, you know, I'd like to do that someday. it was, it was very enjoyable um, because then that company grew from being 60 people to being 3000 people. And I wasn't just a team of one. I was a head of a department that had, you know, 16 people globally. Um, so it, it grew, but it grew uh, organically over, over, you know, 10, 12 years. But we, you, you realize that if, if you are a small business and things are static, you don't have a lot of people leaving, you don't have a lot of people joining, you don't have a big, you know, deployment of new software. And it is basically the same thing, you know, day in, day out with a few little, you know, support issues here, you know, new, new laptop periodically, new application, access to a file or whatever. You can run pretty lean. Uh, and I ran, I was pretty lean and efficient as a, the first IT support right. person up until we had like 142 users. And then when you start to have more people joining and you have people leaving, then those things of deprovisioning accounts, securing accounts, creating, deploying laptops, refreshing laptops becomes So I want to call out something that you've mentioned here, which is employee yep. turnover. Yes. So like the amount yeah. of employees turning over affected how much work you had. Yes. Yeah. Because they Each one of those all people have has touch to be points issued something. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Every single you person to... coming on and off has, has a touch point. You can't do that without interacting. Yes. No, no, you've got to, on the, on the plus side, you've got to give them a new lap. You've got to order a new laptop 
buy the new laptop, you know, build it however you're building it. Hope, you know, now things are a lot more uh, streamlined if you're using Jamf or Intune. Back in the past, if you're doing images or, or physical installations of everything, mm-hmm. You know, it was it was a lot more labor intensive. And so we've touched on something else um, too, which is the amount of automation you have in your environment. Yes. Yeah. 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 So if you haven't invested in Intune, if you haven't paid for Jamf, please do. Yeah, or uh, the investment that can in get you to that place, right? Like, yeah, there are there are other MDM applications out there. Do not be doing you know vanilla installs of. Yeah unmanaged unmanaged vanilla installs of something and because that's going to come back around to get you too like if your team grows and you have like a two percent linux environment happening that you have not managed up until that point that's going to come back to get you yeah yeah there's no centralized patch management you know you should think forward to these things and try to address them before they become problems yeah that's you should always think big from day one mm-hmm. because it, I, I think even if you're small, episode. yeah, yeah. <laughs> cut that out, snip it. It's like it can be a YouTube short. Um, <laughs> yeah, you are, even if you're, you join a company or you're starting your own company and you're five people, you should start off with an enterprise mindset from day Absolutely. one, M- manage devices one way or the other fully automated automate what you can do because then things will scale very very quickly very easily you'll have the processes in place so that when you do need to bring on other staff uh, and grow your team it will be a lot easier you'll be able to be a lot more reactive to you know zero day um patches that need to be pushed out, et cetera. Um, And also when you're picking up new clients and, you know, you you can say, oh, you know, these are already our established, you know, established uh, practices. You know, this is our our security footprint. This is how we operate. So Um, so we've said uh, you need to know what you're supporting. You need to know uh, how much automation you have in your environment. Yeah. You need to know how much turnover there is in your environment. Um, yeah, yeah. Certainly on the deprovisioning side, automate that, yeah. securing those accounts. What I guess, um, what else do we need to know there. in order to try and assess how many people we should have? I would say so ticket volume other, is the big... Ticket, ticket volume. The other thing, you know, that we used to have back in the day was physical locations. Oh, that's so true. So depending on the number of the number of offices you had and the size of those offices and the complexity of the meeting room tech or other tech in those offices yeah. would would dictate how many people, you know, you would need to support that. Have you ever um, had an office that did not have an on-site IT person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so offices can run were, themselves, right? They can and our magic number was about 50 people Ooh, if an high, office if an office got to more than 50 people we would start to consider uh, maybe we would start having the discussions between 40 and 50 people really we would depending Are you on, on how out to the office though to like fix it up and we we used to periodically, yes, okay. you would do, you know, yearly or, or twice yearly maintenance trips. Right, and obviously when the office opened, you would have somebody go out. 
Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. But depending on like if you if you have really good automation and, and really good you just need a laptop systems, right? Yes. The you can work with the office manager. If it's if it's like laptop just needs to be turned on and you know, sign in as the new staff member and then the magic of the internet and your MDM will, you know, completely yeah. configure everything else, then you don't need to be having somebody manually building those mm-hmm. laptops. I have spent many a year uh, an hour manually building laptops over, you know, LogMeIn or, or TeamViewer in in remote locations, oh and it is it. it I would it, just, it's I think good. I would just build them wherever I am and then ship them fully built. It's it's hard to be in London and then you know be building shipping building a laptop and shipping it to North America because oh, obviously true. You, uh, or the other way around because you have terrible problems with with customs and import. It's very difficult even if you're in North America mm-hmm. shipping then, a, forbid, a laptop you, to to Canada. Yeah, and, and and God forbid you have to ship to like basically any other country besides the UK and the US and Canada. Yeah, like, yeah. So it's it's kind of a mess. Um, definitely global. Yeah, so physical. Are a problem. Yeah, and I, and I think we've said a number of times in the last couple of years, IT has transitioned. Our biggest problem hasn't been IT because generally IT is, is easy to solve. It's the logistics about it, certainly when you have a, uh, a distributed workforce. So, so yeah, so I guess know. that's another factor is this sort of whether you're remote, hybrid, or on-site because um, that does change your experience. If you have no offices to support – you don't need people to support those offices, right? You can focus on how many end users you have and what their situation is. But if you have all offices to support, that's something you have to consider because networks yeah, need rebooting and, hu- and, you know. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And you have, you know, the problems with corporate Wi-Fi that you need to be, you know, maintaining and, and printers and other yeah, stuff. Meeting and rooms, uh, meeting, meeting room, maybe. When are we going to get but rid like of printers? But like the hybrid, I, I hope so, but some people still use them. Much to my annoyance. Stop using printers, guys. So let's have a campaign. Let's have a change.org. Let's let's <laughs> sign up and bend. That's going to be the hashtag for this episode. Um, Stop <clears throat> using printers. Yes, and, and email attachments, but that's something else. <laughs> um, hybrid. Hybrid can be a strain on your IT department. Um, yeah, because people's because focus if is you split. have. <laughs> Well, yeah. If you have if you have nobody in the office Monday and Friday, but then six hundred people in the office on Tuesday, you've got to have enough people on site on Tuesday to support potentially all of those people mm-hmm. turning up. And then also, if if it rains and those people don't turn up, but you've gone in, then you feel like your IT staff are on site, and all of your you know employees are still or yeah, they're all still remote. Um, yeah, well, um, and I think too, there's there's some like stuff to consider, and I think we probably covered this a little bit in the hybrid, remote, on-site episode. But like, mm-hmm. um, especially if you've got new office openings, and you know you haven't been fully on-site since the last office opened, um, it can be hard to I think right-size your bandwidth and stuff because you don't have the experience of that and when you're a hybrid i mean it's just a roller coaster like it really can be like there's like five people in the office one day and then 100 people in the office the next day and like it's hard to plan for that when you're not expecting it no 
yeah, no. yeah, ah. yeah. And and certainly with meeting room availability and and everything yeah. else, you can, can learn a lot a, a by like stress testing your office essentially by having a bunch of people come in. Yeah, and also the you know one of the challenges that that I've heard of is making sure that all of the tech in the office works perfectly when people are in the office. <laughs> Doesn't it always seem like it breaks when somebody important comes in? Yeah. Otherwise otherwise they're less likely to come in right. and you know and carry on being remote as opposed to being part of, you know, some organizations push to have people re return right. back into the office. So yeah. These are all, you know, this is why there isn't a magic formula. Yeah, yeah of, you really have to consider you know, IT your over um, I would say, yeah. Colin, there's another sort of factor that I've learned in my experience that makes a difference. And um, it's hard to measure because you can measure it with tickets, but um, in a stable mm -hmm. environment, in an otherwise stable environment, you may not be able to measure it properly. And that is um, sort of what the organization's response to stress is, technological stress in particular. Um, so if you make a change, you could see increased support volume, right? And I have found right. that that amount of increased support volume depends on how well your organization adapts to change. Or plans for change. Or, yes, or, yeah, change or plans for yeah. change, right? And so like... Uh, in I, one time I was supporting a small organization that had like less than 45 users and they were by far, whenever a change happened, we would see the most tickets from them, 45 people putting in the most tickets compared to the, I think the broader, it was the merger and acquisition situation. So the broader 600 person org, most of the tickets would mm -hmm. be coming from these 45 people. Um, and so I think that taught me a lot about how we, not only how we communicated change to them, but also like how stressed they were as an organization. Right. And when we started digging into that, we were like, oh, there's other things going on here. They're going through a lot of changes that have nothing to do with it, but like, we need to be sort of cognizant of that and aware of that because they're not going to respond well to even small changes from us. And it will cause a support uptick, right. right? So, like, it would be like all hands on deck after a change, instead of like yeah, yeah, yeah. a normal a normal volume, which is like you know we've got our five support people, and then uh, you know the systems team gets to do their thing, and the security team gets to do their thing, right? It was more like no, everybody gets involved because they just didn't respond well, and it's hard to quantify. Yeah, yeah you need to have. <laughs> Yes, yeah. For those, for the, certainly for those big changes, uh, your IT team needs to be properly staffed, equipped, mm -hmm. uh, informed, um, and certainly if you're a managed service provider, you know, being aware of what the company is doing or what you're doing in support of the company um, mm -hmm. to make changes. Um, but yeah, that's why you know smaller companies can do change management you know, at the drop of a hat and not really think about it. Mm -hmm. um, I've also seen large you, companies you can... that have no change management either. And they just sort of like let everybody drown. <laughs> if something yeah. like doesn't get well-timed, you know, um, or people ignore your change. 
right? They just choose to compartmentalize which one is important to them, um, which is also not helpful. Yeah. And in, in larger orgs or even in, you know, any reasonably sized organization, you do need to communicate your change to the entire business and other parts of IT function. Certainly if you're fragmented um, or, or maybe not fragmented, siloed, separate, because something that you might be changing might impact, you know, another part of the business that's also doing a change um, that, that then is going to mean, you know, somebody's change management process or upgrade is going to fail. Um, right. I've seen, unfortunately, that happen in, in large organizations uh, that haven't communicated well. Yeah, so, for sure. Um, so I guess going back to this, like, sort of idea of, you know, how do we design a team that has the right number of people. I'm thinking that, you know, if I'm a new person walking into an org um, mm -hmm. and I don't know that org, but I've been asked to sort of quantify how many people we should have or, um, you know, assess whether or not we have the right number of people, um, I guess the first thing I need to do is not really like sort of apply any formula to it or whatever. I need to listen and learn about the organization that I'm coming into. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I, I was asked at a, a very similar question at a, at a conference that I was at, sat down at one of these networking, you know, lunch tables and, you know, other guys saw my, my, my badge and asked what I did. And he's like, oh, I wonder if you could help me. I've, you know, recently taken on this role of an IT director and at a large company and the CIO wants me to evaluate the, uh, the service desk and, and work out, you know, how big should our, our support function actually be. Uh, and he said, you know, how would you tackle that? You know, how many people do you think we need? What's the, what's the ratio or the formula that we should use? And I was like, well, this is, you know, really, you've got to look at what your support personnel are doing, find out what the, this is, you know, how I would tackle it, find out what, uh, what your support desk is spending most of their time doing, find that problem, solve that problem and then go to the next highest, you know, trouble ticket or support ticket that's coming in, you know, or, or regular support ticket, find out what that problem is, solve that. Then once you've got rid of, you know, what's causing most of, mm. most of your support tickets fruit, and, yeah. and all the low hanging fruit, as they say, solve that, then you'll have a better, more accurate look, uh, what your support desk is actually dealing with that takes time. And then you'll be able to say, you know, yes, these 10 people are enough or no, we need to have, you know, another 10. We've got to double the support desk. And I've, and I've heard another CIO at, a, at another company actually do that as well. When he started, the first thing he did was walk up to, you know, he didn't go to the, the service desk manager. He, he, you know, I think he took all of the first line support engineers out for lunch and said, you know, what do you spend most of your time doing? And he's like, and they're like, oh, you know, the, the product we're supporting always has this problem and we always have to talk to engineering about fixing it. He said, right, right, solved. I'll go to the CTO and we'll make sure that that bug is fixed. And lo and behold, you know, there's 10% of their week, you know, right. uh, given back to them because they're not dealing with those low hanging, you know, recurring problems. That 
that would be the ratio that I would use that everybody should be, you know, looking at. One thing uh, that just occurred doing. to me, Colin, is that in an organization where you do have some of those low hanging fruit, I think um, you have to be careful about how you present that to leadership because they might say, well, if we fix this thing, we can get rid of someone. <clears throat> yes, and that's no, mostly it's not like, the case because really it's no. like you have gaps in your environment. Everybody has gaps right? Things that they can't do because they don't have yep. the resources. And I think the important thing to remember is if you can solve that low hanging fruit, you now have time and more resources that you could potentially put to yes. solving those gaps. Right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Help, help me fix this. And then I can do all of these other right. things, which will be even better for the organization. Yeah. So and it can help your whole yeah, organization that's... mature. And it can help your not, it's not just about like your IT team maturing. In some cases, like I've seen the maturity of the IT team drive the maturity of the entire organization. And that's a really yeah. incredible, also, powerful thing. Yeah. Cause also all of those low hanging fruit, trouble tickets, problem tickets, or an annoyance to the end users. Of course. If they don't are. have if if they don't have that annoyance, then they're going to be happier. So then obviously the uh, employee surveys and everything else and it, it spirals into mm -hmm. you know a, a sea of happiness. Yeah. Um and everything everything is better. Yeah, definitely start by solving yeah. your your little problems and your your little annoying common problems. Yeah, yeah. And you know a lot of them are are, are, are manageable mm -hmm. can be done yeah. um, with cooperation with other parts of your organization. Sometimes just somebody to tell is. you that it's a priority. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sometimes. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes it's 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 not known, mm -hmm. you know, or it's overlooked because they're like, oh, we just assumed, you know, somebody did that, and it's like, no, yeah. you know, talent HR, you need to let us know when somebody is going to start so that we can build their laptop in advance rather than them turning up on day one and not having a laptop. And sometimes um, it's like something you know. feels common, but like you don't realize how common it is until you pull the numbers. Right. So yep. if you can get into like classifying your tickets and tagging them properly and that kind of thing, um, then you can really pull some powerful analytics. And like, if you don't have a good sense of what's going on, especially given, depending on the size of your team, like sometimes it's really easy because you have a sort of a limited amount of data to work with. But like, sometimes when things are like really big and chaotic, like you don't know. There's common problems, but then there's like really common problems and you don't, you just don't know because those feelings aren't very yeah. different on the day to day. But if you pull the analytics, yeah. it'll be like, well, there's a very clear trend here. And and this is why I, I was always against ticketing systems. Um, yeah. But this is why my tune has changed, regardless of the size of your organization, unless it's just you. But if there's like two, three, four, five of you supporting a relative, you know, a couple of hundred people, I think it's still worthwhile having a ticketing system and, and logging stuff because you'll start to see trends. Because if you have you know, three users reach out to three different support personnel about one issue, unless everybody's talking to each other all the time, they're not going to know that three people have had the same problem. Right. They're going to feel if like you one have person has those, had the same problem. Yeah. Yeah. And so, 
if you have those three people opening three tickets, even though you've got three support engineers dealing with those separate tickets, you and everybody else in your support team will see, oh, you know, we've we've got we've now got this recurring issue. It's either a big problem or it's localized. Is it something that we can fix? Mm -hmm. Is it yeah? And, and that's why I would advocate. And there are a lot of good, you know, economical um, ticketing systems out there. You don't have to go the whole, you know, giant service now, all singing or dancing, bells and whistles. You could go for a, a lot smaller system. Um, and I think I think that's a, a key thing when you're looking at uh, the, the right size for your IT department. Get get some of those functions in place. Yeah, I think too. Um, like I know, like when I was a very early support technician like i it 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 didn't occur to me all the time to raise those issues even when i saw that there was a trend right or sometimes i didn't feel like comfortable doing it or i didn't know who i was supposed to raise it to um you know yep. so like i think just just to be fair to the the sort of newer or younger or less experienced side of your team like they may not always realize there's a problem right and so like by having a ticketing system and being able to sort of classify issues and like just taking a gander at that every now and then um you can sort yeah. of point those things out to them um and then they can learn how to to kind of raise those things yeah well, we, we even talked about this ourselves when we were talking about SAS outages mm -hmm. i think in um uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, if we notice something's wrong in an application that, that we've subscribed to, we should re report it to to that support department right. so that they know about it. We can't always assume that somebody else is gonna gonna raise the issue or they're gonna find the issue. But yeah, so it's the same for end users, mm -hmm. and a lot of it goes down, you know, to end user training, you know, helping them help the set, help themselves, you know asking them to if they are going to raise a ticket with us to uh give us you know usable information uh i get very annoyed when somebody opens a ticket and says i've got a problem can somebody help me um it's like well you know actually detail what yeah, your problem you is include a screenshot <laughs> <laughs> can you tell i i have seen hundreds of yeah, tickets like yeah. that um you know it's like include a full screen screenshot you know reboot your laptop can it be replicated are other people having the right. problem you know provide us as much information don't don't make it, you know, 20 questions. That, yeah, you know, because it just wastes their us... time and ours. Yeah. So there's there's definitely yeah, some yeah. like and end it... user training you can do with people. And I think we also have to enable our support people to kind of do that sort of training with them. Like, um, yeah, yeah. So... Because they can learn. Everybody can learn. Yes. It's one of the, yeah, the magical yeah. things I... about being alive, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, uh, I hope I, I on that note, I hope people have learned something from from yeah. this uh, episode. Sorry, of, there uh, wasn't a magical showdown. answer for you guys about how to pick the <laughs> right is. size IT team, but like, I mean, you can you can develop if, that number for your own organization, right? And I think just I would, be aware uh, that it may change over time as your needs change. Yeah, and. And th there is there is no small formula that could be yeah. used. There is no yeah, small we just ratio. Need like six it is in determining how many. And I, and, but I would I would love to, I would love to write that out as a formula, 
like, you know, size of your IT team depends on, you know, all of these <laughs> things. And it would be a magical, you know, uh, hypothetical formula that would have to be created. Yeah, but it would look more like a calculus yes. equation. <laughs> It would, it would, it, and it, it, it would at least look like a, a, a yeah, very cool thing. Yeah, we're technical people, your, but we're not your, always your math wall. people. So, like, let's not, no. let's not go there. Just, just, yeah, understand that it's more yeah. complicated than than the blogs would lead you to believe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, yeah. And fix, yeah. fix those low hanging fruit first. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's definitely ways to make it easier on yourself. Um, definitely ways to make people more efficient. And then when you have people more efficient, you can use that time for other bigger, better things. Yep. Yep. Like listening to the next episode of SAS Showdown. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Rose, for joining us Thanks, this week. Helen. I hope everybody had a great time. That's a wrap. Cheerio. Produced by the Tab Geeks Network. Enjoy all of our shows on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Tab Geeks. Join our exclusive, free, no sponsors allowed Slack community and sign up for our newsletter at tabgeeks.com.